This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So you want to buy some bank stocks, but where do you even begin? It's it's a crazy area, and I've kind of dreaded doing this podcast, to be honest, because uh, even for me, I, I kind of dread it because there's just so much choice. But we're finally diving in. We're gonna we're gonna bite the bullet. We're gonna get in there and see what is going on with the banks. So we all know the big banks. That part is easy. That would be Citigroup, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, and JP Morgan, the big four. Those are the big international banks. They have investment banking. They do trading in like currencies and commodities. They have multiple segments and venues outside of just basic lending where they make their money. So we're going to ignore those. You all know those. Uh, you know they've been hot here in uh, 2021, but we're not going to focus on those. Then you have the big regional banks, and those are banks like PNC Financial, which I've talked about many times on the show, or like KeyCore. You know, if you're in an area with a big, uh, big regional bank, you you've seen their name on the side of buildings. They you know support uh, the the community for like um, you know Fourth of July fireworks or the parades, all that kind of stuff. That would be the big regionals. Then you have kind of the smaller regionals. I'm not going to give any examples on those, but you know what I'm talking about there, most likely. Then you have what are considered big community banks. So what's the difference between community and the regionals? Well, the regionals are most likely just in a few more states. That's what makes them region. And then the communities, the big community banks can be in multiple states as well, but they're just not quite as big as regional, as the smaller regionals. I told you this is complicated, right? This is what makes it so hard to invest in this area. Then you have the small community banks, and those would be ones that maybe are in one or two states. And then even, even beyond that, you have the micro community banks, as I'm calling them. And some of those may just have 20 branches. They may be in only one state. They may have 10 branches. You know them because they're in your town and they've been your local bank for you know 50 years, but no one else has ever heard of them. So there's those as well. So again, I'm not covering the big international banks. We know those, but I am gonna focus on these other areas, mostly the regionals and then the bigger uh, community banks. I'm not going to go into what I would call the small community banks because that's even more of a deep dive and I'm certainly not covering any micro ones. Now, I just Googled the question, how many community banks are there in the United States? And Google, as of January 2020, so this is already a year old, tells me there's 5,000 community banks. This is why I was kind of dreading this podcast, right? 5,000 of those, but not all of them are publicly traded, obviously, but a lot of them are. Like, even if you just go into the Zach's rank right now, let me look, in fact, because I didn't see the latest numbers. Um, 
if you just go into the Zach's rank, because the earnings estimates are on the rise for the banks right now, because as the 10-year rises, that goes right to the earnings of the banks. And that means the analysts are adjusting all of the bank estimates for this year, and we're getting a ton of number ones. Now, I can't even count them all, but I just brought up the list on Zach's.com. And I just see banks, 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 banks. Let me just kind of scroll down the list here. Um, yeah, it's still scrolling, scrolling. It does tell you if they're in the southeast, the west, the wherever they are. So just with these banks, I would say just on a quick glance here, there's at least 30, maybe. No, there's more than that. There might be 40 to 50 banks just on here on um, Zacks.com for the number one ranks. That's just number ones. That's not even including number twos. So that's why it feels super overwhelming. Like, what's the difference between all of these banks? Sometimes there isn't that much of a difference. And they're all rising in mass, and they will decline on mass because they all have the basic same fundamentals when you get down to this more regional or big community banks. They all have the same, relatively same business of you know basically lending and then the assets um and they're doing both consumer loans they're doing uh you know commercial loans and that's it like they're just a basic bank some offer insurance some will do like wealth management but they're not doing the trading of the currencies or the commodities or anything else like that, like the big, big banks will do. They're not doing investment banking for the most part. So their business is all pretty much the same. And again, it will improve here as the 10 year rises a bit. So that's why you're getting all of these suddenly number ones and you get overwhelmed <laughs> with what to do. So one place to start and this is actually a good example of when ETFs work well is with an ETF. So this may be the way that you can get some exposure. There is a community bank ETF. It's been around a number of years. I've talked about it in the past when the banks got hot, like in 2016. That was probably the last time I talked about this ETF. But it's the First Trust NASDAQ Community Bank Fund ETF. QABA is the ticker. And it, um, like I said, has been around a while. It holds the larger community banks. And then it says any of the 50 largest banks or thrifts. And uh, has 154 holdings right now. I took a look at the list. Uh, the largest is Commerce Bank Shares, which is 3.27% of the portfolio. Then you have First Citizens Bank Shares at 26 First financial bank shares at 2.5, and then it goes down from there. And pretty quickly, you're at like 1% for most of the banks after that. So you don't have like an overwhelming, uh, huge position in any one bank here, which is good for diversification. They did list the top state exposures, which you do, you do want to know, like, where are these banks located? Because the banks and their business will... Uh, be predicated a lot on the tenure, obviously, but also on what the local economy is doing. What what it, does it look like there? What is that going to look like coming out of the pandemic? And who's going to be booming 
you probably want to own banks in those booming areas. So the top state state exposure is Texas at 8.84%, then California at 8.83, so right next to each other. And then I was surprised by number three, Missouri at 6.01, and then Arkansas at 4.89. Then you have Indiana, 4.63, New York, 4.35, New Jersey, 4.08, Illinois, 4.04, North Carolina, 3.96, and Ohio at 3.95. I'm surprised that Florida is not in this list of the top state exposure. So keep that in mind, too, if you're considering QABA. um, And if you want Florida exposure, which is one of the fastest growing states right now um, in terms of population and and whatnot, but it doesn't have as much of the bank exposure apparently as um, it doesn't have the largest banks apparently like these other states do. So net expense ratio is 0.6%. It's not cheap to own this fund. Um, 12 month distribution rate is 2.15%. So a little over two, that's not too shabby, not like awesome for a dividend, but not horrible one year this etf because the banks have been surging here um recently one year up 32 percent is that really the one year let me look um feel like no that's year to date sorry year to date up 32 percent i was gonna say man that sounds a little low for the one year because now when i'm recording this in march 2021 we were in the midst a year ago of the worst of the coronavirus sell-off. Like we were getting 12% in a single day sell-off just a year ago. So when you're looking at the one-year charts now for any stock or ETF or mutual fund, it's going to be pretty spectacular. Let me look on this one. Um, Yes. So this one, one year, because it was the lows a year ago, is up 87%. S&P 500 is up 66 off of those coronavirus lows now, just FYI. So, but year to date up 32% as the banks are hot. So this is a way to get exposure. The the maximum market cap they have is 8.6 billion for the bank. The minimum is 242 million. So they don't have any real micro caps in this ETF, but they do have some small community banks. Uh, The median is a little over a billion. It has a PE of 18, price to book is 1.3. So not too bad, not super cheap on the PE ratio, but um, banks look a lot at the price to book and that's in range at 1.3. So that's the ETF if you just wanna play that way. But I know, I know how it is. We all don't wanna just buy the ETF sometimes. We want the individual stocks and this is where it gets more difficult, right? <laughs> That's why the ETFs are so easy and, and you know, just, just buy one of those. Um, because as I just mentioned, there's 5,000 community banks and then you have everybody else outside of the community, the regionals and all this. So I will admit my secret to screening for the bank stocks. And it's, it's not, it's not gonna um, be able to be replicated by any of you because it's simply just my experience and my experience of running across various regional and community banks over the years 
while running my various portfolios, especially the ones here at Zacks, the Insider Trader and the Value Investor. So both of those portfolios have owned numerous banks over the years. They own some banks right now as well. Um, but I've been able to like basically uncover some interesting bank stocks over the years because either the insiders were diving all in there and it's, you know, shined a light on that particular bank or it got dirt cheap some way and I managed to find it in various screens for the value investor. But um, either way, some of these I've just run across and they've become basically my favorites over the years. I've continued to follow some of them even though neither portfolio owns them anymore. And they kind of my go-to banks when I'm looking around thinking I want to add some banks. So I'm going to share these ones with you because otherwise you can't really screen for the banks. You can screen for like market cap and maybe a specific dividend yield and then you can put the rank in there. But as I said earlier, at least 40 to 50 banks right now are ranked number ones. So you're not going to be able to distinguish those. And I do encourage you all to look around where you are. What are the banks um, in your location? What, what have had success? You're going to have to do your own research. Um, maybe there's one you've used or your family has used for the last 40 years. Does it have good management? What happened to it during the financial crisis? That's kind of key too. all of these banks that are publicly traded right now obviously survived the financial crisis, some better than others, but they have had Federal Reserve um, FOMC um, oversight for years. So the banks are in a good place. We have had this pandemic. And so some of the loans might be in trouble now. That's another thing to look at with any bank. And that's why also the region you're investing in uh, plays into, uh, will, will play into it because that is where those banks tend to give out their loans, right? Based on the industries in their region. And some of those industries could be getting hit really hard right now. Like say, for instance, a certain bank has a lot of hospitality loans like hotels because they're in Florida and they've loaned out to a lot of the hotel companies there. That might be something you might want to know and be checking into. So keep all of that in mind. And uh, so yeah, this all makes the banks a little complicated, right? But I'm going to give you some examples of some of my favorites and we're just going to go from there. So let's dive right in. So one of my favorite regional banks, and this is one of the bigger ones, is, and I've mentioned this one before, First Republic Bank, FRC is the ticker. F is in Frank, R is in Robert, C is in Cat. And this is considered to be one of the growth banks. That's what I call it. They're headquartered in San Francisco. I always call them like the rich people bank <laughs> because they do a lot of private wealth management. And because they're in San Francisco, you're talking about Silicon Valley and the wealth generation that's generated out there through all those great businesses and stock options and all of that. So um, they've been able to grow fairly quickly using this model. And so they have a much higher PE. Their PE right now is 26 times. And they don't pay the dividend like most banks pay. Their dividend is yielding just 0.5%. They do have a higher price to book as well, just 29 
Um, they're $29 billion in market cap. So again, this is one of the bigger ones. But as the stock market rises, their assets under management will rise because so many of their customers are in the stock market. So keep that in mind as well. Shares kind of stalled out for a while in the last five years. But over um, the last year, they're finally up off those coronavirus lows, up 103%. Uh, Year-to-date up 15% for this one. So they have busted out to new five-year highs. Uh, Five-year, they're up 156%, but they did stall out there for a couple of years in in the middle there. And the S&P 500 is up 93% for comparison purposes in that time period. So you're not really buying this one for the dividend. And to compound that dividend, you are buying it for the growth of the bank itself. And so this is kind of like the the growth bank stock. Um, so yeah, that's First Republic Bank. If you're looking for that type of bank, the non-boring type, FRC is the ticker on that one. Okay, then we're gonna switch over to the more traditional regional bank, which I like this one a lot, Comerica, CMA is the ticker. They're headquartered in Texas, but they're in several states. Texas, Michigan, Florida, Arizona are their big states. If you've been in Michigan, you know Comerica. Um, It was, I think, the first bank I ever opened an account at when I was in college in Michigan, and they're still there. But one thing to watch out, because they're headquartered in Texas, what is in Texas? And what do the big banks there tend to lend out to? Yes, energy energy, petrochemicals, that whole sector. Now, energy has been hot here in 2021, um, but last year, very rough. A lot of people were concerned that some banks were gonna get caught with some uh, loans on the books and maybe some bankruptcies in the energy sector. There were some last year, but maybe not as much as what everybody anticipated. So that's something to consider with Comerica. PE is 13, price to book is just 1.2. This is one of the bigger dividend payers, 3.8% is the yield right now. They have a market cap of 9.8 billion. So you can see they're a little bit smaller than First Republic, but still decent size with the market cap. Um, Year to date, up 23% as the banks have been surging. Five years though, it's still lagging, 75% gains over five years. Member S&P 500 is at 93%. This is why people are interested in the banks. It has been lagging mostly for the last five, maybe 10 years. I didn't look the 10 year chart, but banks just have not been the place to be in the last decade, but um, that's why they're values. That's why we're talking about them. Okay, bank number three is West Banco. I'm sure I've talked about this one too. WSBC is the ticker. They're headquartered in West Virginia. I like them because they were founded in 1870. They've been around a long time. They're in six states. So this is one of the big community type banks. Um, Nobody really puts them in regional status really, uh, but they definitely have, you know, the bigger community type feel. Their market cap is just 2.5 billion. So you can see they're even smaller than Comerica there. And um, they're in Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and then West Virginia as well. They also have an insurance business, but um, otherwise just the basic lending. They did recently increase the dividend in February. This was the 14th increase since 2010. I like to see that because that's why you're buying a lot of the banks. 
is to get that dividend and uh, see it grow. So since 2010, over this very difficult 10-year time period for the financials, they still were raising that dividend, and it now yields 3.54%. So decent yield now, 35 So what do these shares look like? Year-to-date up 23.6%. Five years, though, only up 27%. Again, S&P 500 up 93% in that time period. So you're really underperforming over that five-year time period, but maybe this is the time, right? PE is 15.3. Price to book is just 0.9. So pretty cheap on the price to book uh, level there. Then bank number four is Washington Trust, ticker W-A-S-H. And this one I remember from several years ago because it's the oldest community bank in the country. (laughs) Founded in 1800, it's been around forever. Now you might think, oh, Washington Trust, maybe it's in Washington, D.C. or something like that. But no, it's in Rhode Island. Also has offices in Connecticut and Massachusetts. Its market cap is much smaller. It's only 931 million. So this is a community bank. And um, they are very good at paying the dividend. That's something to know. They did not uh, get rid of the dividend during the financial crisis. Now, there were some banks that were able to do that. They were had good enough management that the FOMC did not make them terminate the the dividend and they were able to pay it. They didn't raise it for several years in there, but they continue to pay the dividend in 2008, 2009, 2010, and up to this day. Uh, they did recently raise the dividend, but only a penny in December of 2020. And this one is yielding 3.8% right now. So you are getting your traditional bank kind of yield with Washington Trust, which is why a lot of people, again, buy the banks. They want that income. PE is at 14.4, price to book 1.7 for this Northeast bank. Um, One other thing, what's this return? Up 16% year to date. So a little little below a couple of the others I've been talking about. And then the five year, it's still down 8%. So this one, the much smaller community bank in the Northeast, is really lagging. So five-year down 8%. Again, five-year S&P 500 up 93. So almost 100% swing there if you had been buying this one and getting that dividend. But maybe this is when, again, the banks are going to start to turn around. No guarantees on anything. But um, yeah, this one's been real hard for long-term investors there. Okay, moving on to bank number five, United Community Banks. UCBI is the ticker. UCBI. Um, This one is out of Greenville, South Carolina is where their executive offices are, but their headquarters in Blairsville, Georgia, and they're one of the largest community banks in the Southeast. So I like that a lot. And they have a market cap of 3.1% billion. So uh, decent size, a little bit bigger than West Banco. They have 160 offices in all the hot Southeast states, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Tennessee. That's why I like them because I want to own banks in where the economy is booming, where all the home builders are going, where everybody is 
you know, ditching New York City to move to, where all the baby boomers or retirees are going, where they're opening up uh, new businesses and building out infrastructure. A lot of that is happening in the Southeast. You know, Amazon's going into Amazon second headquarters there in Nashville. So uh, a lot of booming areas in all of these states. And so this, the banks are going to be beneficiary if you're in a bank in one of these booming areas. So how do the fundamentals look here? PE of 15.3, price to book is 1.6, dividend yield of 2.1, so a little bit less on this one. Um, year to date up 23.6%, one year. Um, I haven't been talking about the one year, but this one is off those coronavirus lows up 106%, but don't be fooled over five years, it's still down 2%. So you can really see, again, a lot of these community banks um, kind of struggling over the five year time period. Two year, I did look at this one, over the two year, it is up 32%. But, um, you know, a lot of that has happened in just just recent <laughs> recent weeks here when we're getting this surge. So that's United Community Bank's UCBI. So as you can see, um, there's just tons of choices. You can go with many more different banks than what just these are. These are just, you know, five different ones that I've run across over the years that I follow somewhat and that I like. So um, you can do the same thing, look around. I'm sure there's some you all kind of keep on your radar. Maybe it's a California bank. Um, maybe it's one that is handling a lot of mortgages. That's a hot area right now. So there's a lot of different areas you could kind of go just on the regions and try to get you know a bank in an area that is seeing a big economic rebound because that goes right to their business model as well. And then you're going to have to do your own digging, digging in there. There are some analysts who specifically cover the community banks, so you can kind of look around. Um, there's one or two that run hedge funds that are only the community banks. They basically go in take a big position, try to get try to get that community bank bought out. There's a lot of mergers and acquisitions in the community banks. That's where a lot of money is made when they're bought out by a bigger player, that kind of thing as well. So um, yeah, this area is a little co more complicated than just like, oh, buy Netflix or something like that, other than the big banks. We know those, and those aren't a bad play here either. That Those are plays on the global economy reopening and all that that entails. But if you want US recovery off the pandemic and this uh, big boost in the GDP that we should see going through the end of this year, then maybe the community banks are the way to go. So let me recap some of the tickers now in case you missed some of them. So you can buy the community bank ETF. It is up pretty big so far here in 2021, but if the banks are really gonna be on a multi-year run here, we don't know, we've been waiting, we've been waiting a decade for a multi-year run. If they really are, then this is not a bad way to go. And that ticker for the First Trust ETF is QABA. Then we had First Republic, that's the big private wealth bank. 
in San Francisco, FRC. Then we had Comerica down there in Texas and Michigan, CMA. West Banco is in West Virginia and then regionally in the Ohio Valley, I would describe it as. WSBC is the ticker. Washington Trust, which never got rid of its dividend even in the financial crisis and is the oldest community bank. WASH, that's easy to remember, WASH. And then um, the one down in Georgia that I like, and that's a big bank in the in the Southeast, United Community Bank, UCBI is the ticker there. So this covers the banks, and yeah, they are all all pretty much values here. Earnings are on the rise, so there's no value trap uh, analysis to do with them right now. A lot of number ones or number twos. But um, one other thing to remember before I wrap up, you don't need to own like five community banks in your portfolio to get exposure to this area. They're all going to kind of move in the same direction with each other. And the same is true of energy. You don't need five uh, you know, exploration and, and production stocks. You only need one, maybe two max. Same with the banks. You get some exposure, but you don't need to like fill up your portfolio in community banks. So keep that in mind. And as always, be sure to follow us somewhere to get all of our podcasts because I'm going to be keep bringing you value stocks all throughout 2021. There is a lot going on in the value sector, including with these banks. Uh, So banks are in and value stocks are up. And so, yeah, you don't want to miss a single episode. We are on Spotify. I know many of you are getting us there. Apple Podcast, of course, and we're now on Amazon Music or Amazon Podcast. I'm not sure what they're calling it, but it's on Amazon Music. You can find us on their podcast page there, but find us somewhere and I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.